0: Hello and welcome back or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy, coming at play therapy from a child center perspective. And today on the podcast, I want to chat about unconditional positive regard and acceptance. Acceptance and regarding the child positively, not very well worded to start here, but is at the bedrock of what we do as play therapists and as child center play therapists in particular. Nothing else that we do or say or in the way that we play or in the way that we talk or in the way that we are works and is therapeutic without having that unconditional positive regard. But from here on out, I think I'm just going to call it acceptance, which amounts to basically the same thing. And while accepting where the child is at and what they do and what they say and what they feel seems easy and seems like it is basic, and that we can get into that space and of course we're going to be accepting them no matter how they come into session, I really do believe that it is easier said than done. That we all as people and as clinicians have things that we can get caught up on when we're with a child or with when we're with anyone that get in the way of us being accepting of where they are. And a lot of those different areas have already been covered on this podcast to some degree. There was one I did on competitive play, and that was after hearing from a number of play therapists that I know that when they were doing competitive play with a child, that it felt dry, that it didn't feel worthwhile, that it felt like something else should be happening inside of the session, something with more emotion around it, or more interpersonal interaction, or something that just simply wasn't a game. And that's what it felt like should be happening instead of competitive play. But that's one way to not be accepting of where the child is at and how they want to spend their time, and what they need to do with us in order to be comfortable. Aggression also falls into that category, or play that seems evil, where there's random violence, where there's violence without remorse, where characters hate each other inside of the play and do bad things to each other. We might have a desire for that to change. We might have a desire for the child to get to a space of cooperation, and collaboration, and helpfulness and healing and working through things and not just having the characters in their play be violent and angry and vindictive with each other. But that's another way we judge where the child is at at the time. We can have an idea of what healing looks like for a child based on either our own conception of how children heal and evolve and grow and become more whole, or We can have a conception of how the child is supposed to heal that we've received from their parents or caregivers or other adults in this child's life about what is wrong with them and why they're coming into treatment. And therefore, we have something that we do believe is wrong with the child and needs to be fixed, which is another way that we can go about not being accepting and not regarding them positively. And some of those things can be overt, We can catch that feeling inside of ourselves, we can recognize it, and we can interact with the child after accepting and recognizing our own feelings, which is counter-transference, I guess, is the proper term for that. And then we can move into a different space of acceptance with the child inside of the session. And some of those places are more subtle. Sometimes we could be judging or have a conception around something and we just believe that that thing is true, that we believe that we're right and that where the child is at is wrong or what they're doing is wrong or what they're doing should be changed in some kind of way. There's a lot of different ways for us as child therapists to not accept the children that we're with as people. And the ways that we do that will be individual to us. It'll be based on our own values and opinions and experiences and the relationships that we've had in our lives and the people that we are. And the different ways that we can be not accepting with a child vary by the person. If we're experiencing boredom in a session, or we're experiencing frustration, or annoyance, or anger, or even sadness, or fear, those are all different different ways where we're having an experience and if we're living through that experience and that's coming from us and that's not coming from the child then we're caught up in our own emotional garbage and that stuff is getting in the way of us connecting with the child which is why probably the most important thing at least from my vantage point for any therapist to do and any play therapist to do is to do their own therapy To have an understanding of the things that get in the way of connecting with and accepting and positively affirming another person. And it's hard for us to catch those blind spots on our own when we're trying to do all of these things on our own, it's, it's difficult to know where our blind spots are because they're blind spots. And it's helpful whether it's in collaboration with a supervisor, whether it's in collaboration with a therapist that you would see yourself, whether that's through whatever kinds of methods you would use to understand yourself better. That could be art that could be writing or journaling. That could be through having a deeper relationship to your dream life or your fantasy life. Whatever it is, and I do believe that it's more helpful to do it in collaboration with another person, but it's important for us as play therapists and any kind of healing professional to have an understanding of ourselves because otherwise, we will inevitably get caught different places and have a difficult time accepting the child for where they are at in session. And I can say personally that I can at times get caught up in wanting to learn new kinds of techniques. I find sand tray fascinating. I love different expressive arts activities. I'm interested in how different people facilitate child-centered play therapy in terms of the responses they give, or what kind of internal state they're trying to have, or what they're shooting for inside of their sessions. And all that stuff's probably good to know, right? The more techniques we have, the more perspectives we have, we learn about ourselves as emotional healers. We learn about, we're able to facilitate rather different kinds of dynamic experiences the more stuff that we have in our therapeutic toolbox. But at least for me, I feel at my best as a play therapist and I believe that my space is the most healing when I am tuned in to being as accepting as possible of the child no matter what's happening. Where I, when setting limits, right? We name the intention when we set limits with children first. It's like, ah, you want to, I don't know, break that toy hit me with that thing, put the sand on the floor, whatever it is, and really naming in the first part of that limit setting and feeling it and believing it that there is absolutely nothing wrong with you having that impulse, nothing at all. And then we go on to name that limit because limits are good, because structure is good and boundaries are good, and the clearer we can make those boundaries and that structure, the more defined that space is, the less the child feels the need to find out where those boundaries are and bump up against those boundaries and discover even what our relationship as the adults and the authority figure in the room is to those boundaries. But there are times when I set a limit and I name the intention on the front end and it's just lip service. I don't mean it. I don't mean that I unconditionally accept your desire to do something that I find annoying or frustrating, but then it's important for me to take a look at What do I find annoying and frustrating about what you're doing? Where do I get off living inside of my annoyance and frustration when I am here for you, the child in this space, to accept you, to create these limits so that you can be a person in this space and discover more about yourself in relation to yourself and in relation with somebody else and discover more about your relationship to the world as a person. And a little bit of sand might get on the floor. In the meantime, you might, uh, you know, whether you're making a mess, whether you're moving, like you're doing something that's making me physically uncomfortable or in pain. And whatever that is, it's less important than them becoming a person. We still set the limits, and children, by and large, when a limit is set in a consistent way, and in a loving way, and in a way that is respectful of the impulses that are coming from the child, which led to that limit being created in the first place, are able to respect those limits. I haven't met a child yet who isn't, at least eventually, able to stay inside of those limits, know what those limits are, and respect my limits. Because I respect their limits. We have mutual respect in this place. But the only way to get to mutual respect is to be aware of the ways that we're not accepting them to begin with i don't know where we would get off expecting them to be respectful of our limits when we're not respectful of theirs for them to be respectful of our preferences without us being respectful of their preferences and impulses and feelings and as much as learning other techniques is good and learning other ways of doing things is good and keeping an open mind in terms of how we go about treating children and being willing to try things differently and being dynamic when something's not working as important it is to to increase the size of our therapeutic toolbox if all of us as child-centered play therapists simply worked diligently day by day and hour by hour and minute by minute on being accepting And feeling that unconditional positive regard and moving through that space and recognizing when we're not in that space and being willing to take a critical look at ourselves and our own experience when we're not experiencing that with a child, that feels like enough. That feels like a solid therapeutic foundation. And that feels like if we're able to do that consistently, then we are making a consistently healing process place regardless of what else happens in session. Because that's hard work. That's being willing to take a critical look at ourselves. That's being willing to know when, like, gosh, I keep getting caught on this thing. I need to go and get some of my own therapy. I've got my own repressed emotional garbage. I've got, you know, stuff from my family of origin. I've experienced some tough events. I've had um, situations with people where I felt uncomfortable, I can fall into a role or something like that, that I acquired from somewhere, probably from my family system. And I've maybe acquired values from the adults in my life from before that I'm, that I have applied to myself and to the world without being very critical about it. And that I could also then blindly apply to the children I'm seeing. Because that work of being accepting and being open is difficult. It's it takes practice and there's no magical endpoint or if there is i am not evolved enough as a person to have experienced it but there's it's it, it's a constant thing the work we do is hard we see a wide variety of children As play therapists, we see a wide variety of families and different family situations and different family dynamics and different ways in which the child expresses themselves in the world. And to be accepting of the human experience of life, to be accepting of the child when some of the time the child is seeing us because they're not submitting to the standards of their environment. And we have been told that this child, this child hasn't been accepted by some or all of the adults in their world. And they've, they're coming to see us because there's something wrong with them. I used air quotes around wrong just now. That puts even more pressure on us to be accepting. We might be the only person in this child's environment who is accepting of where they're at. And that's a responsibility that I hope we take very seriously. That is our primary responsibility as child-centered play therapists. Anything else we do can only start from that basic foundation of unconditional positive regard and acceptance. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. This is usually the point of the podcast where I say something like, check out my Patreon page or something like that. And honestly, if you would like to support the show, if you think that the show is, if this show adds something to your clinical practice or to your life tell someone about it that would be the most helpful thing of all actually (laughs) it's just to let somebody else know that uh this podcast exists and they might like it especially if they're uh, a play therapist out there because as play therapists i think the world can be a little bit lonely sometimes hopefully it's not For you all, Um, it can be for me occasionally. I can find myself, even in therapeutic circles, with other people who work with children who do not use play therapy and feel misunderstood. Or, uh, you know, I just, it feels important to me, and this is beginning to be a longer ramble, but for us as play therapists to be able to build community and to be able to define what we do clearly and define it as clearly as the people who do you know, other sorts of work that we have an identity and we can build community and we can be strong in what we believe in. As always, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. And uh, yeah, see you next time.